for Times Radio in collaboration with the Audio Content Fund. This is Heartlands. Young people telling you stories about life in our hometowns, asking what work in the shadow of heavy industry looks like in Britain today. My name's Charlie, I'm 22 years old and I live in Govan, a neighbourhood in Glasgow. Glasgow is divided into two sides by the River Clyde. In the north is the West End, the University and the city centre. People will go there to eat in restaurants, visit museums and enjoy the nightlife. It's where most of the student accommodation is and over the last 20 years has been a target for property developers looking to cash in on Glasgow's growing economy. You've got some of the areas that have had intensive gentrification over the last 50 years. But south of the river is a whole different story. For me, the main concern for the people of Govan at the moment is around the cost of living crisis. A lot of people in Govan are just getting by. Govan is a small riverside district in the southwest part of the city. It's known for its industrial heritage and the shipyards in particular. If anything happens, the community rallies round. It's 15 minutes to get to the city centre. Everyone kind of gets along. Everyone will kind of do their bit for each other if they think that someone's needing help. Regeneration has two key aspects. Value is extracted from an area. The other aspect of regeneration is displacement. Govan has been relatively untouched by gentrification, but it looks like all of that is about to change. Film and television crews occupy many of the warehouses and berths where vast ocean liners were formerly built. The screen industry in Scotland is incredibly valuable to the economy of Scotland, and obviously Glasgow is a massive part of that. To a lot of people, this is good news, but to some, there's worries that it will drive up the prices in Govan and could destroy the historic community here. I feel conflicted by all of this. As someone who's born and bred in Govan, I wonder how the film and TV industry will change community life here. When I was younger, I would like make videos on my phone and edit them and stuff. So just make them with my friends and my cousins. That was something that I always done. And then I started a healthcare course. Um, I'd done it for three months and decided that it wasn't for me. I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. So I was looking online at other courses and came across a film and television course and thought, like after reading it, that it would be a perfect fit. And ever since then, I've just been taking my education further and further and enjoying it more and more. So yeah, it's definitely something that I do want to do in my life. Well, at first I was a bit shocked because I didn't understand what the course entailed. Um, But now that you've been doing it for the couple of years, I'm proud of you. That's my mum. She's been supportive of my decision to work in film. This because I can see that you're wanting to better yourself and further your career. But like me, she's grown up in Govan and knows what a special place it is. Govan, to me, is a nice place to live. It's a comfortable place. My favourite thing about Govan is the community. Um, One of my neighbours, Ruth, went on fire a couple of years ago and neighbours were inviting them into their house and making cups of tea and coffee just to ensure that the person wasn't standing in the street. If anybody in Govan is going through a hard time or has went through an issue in their life, there is places in Govan and people in Govan that will go out of their way to help other people. Whilst both Govan and Glasgow are known as creative hotspots within the UK, it hasn't always been that way. 
People who live in Govan would say Govan is a fantastic area. People tell you, don't go to this area, don't go to that area, because that's what it is. But the people who live in those areas, they will say, no, but our area is quite vibrant. You know, lots of things happen in it. This is Javid Sitar from Sunny Govan Radio. I am um, the employment education uh, worker for Sunny Govan uh, Community Media. It's a community radio station that was set up in 2001 with the aim of reframing the narrative that Govan was a deprived and feeling area. You only hear the negative in mainstream media or local news because negative news is what kind of people want to read and, and put people sell. But what you don't hear is actually the positive stories uh, that happens in, in in any community. And Govan is, in no disrespect, any different from any other area. David explains to me why having an output for the voices of the area is so important. You suddenly have this connection that your local voices are your local. Um, you know, your, your local media. You're not listening to something that is London-centric. You've got Auntie Morag who lives on the street for the last 50 odd years. She knows everyone in that street. She's seen people come and go. She's people grow up, etc. And suddenly she gets the opportunity to actually come along to her local community radio station. And she's able to go and not just kind of play her favourite music, but also talk about her area and what's happening in her area. Because sometimes local areas don't get looked upon. You only have to look at the work that Sunny G do outside broadcasting radio to understand what benefits locally run arts and media can bring to an area. I was employed by Sunny Govern Media, specifically to deliver uh, employment um, uh, support for pe- local people. Someone may be just coming along and say, look, Javid, I need a hand with my CV. How do I make my CV? Uh, look, I'm looking for maybe volunteering opportunities. Where can I go and volunteer? Uh, it could be that I'm, I'm looking for an, uh, a college course or a business idea, whatever it may be. Certain landmark events have happened in Glasgow. Um, COP26 was a recent one. Did Glasgow want COP26? That's questionable. Uh, but COP26 happened. Um, you know, it puts Glasgow in, in, in the spotlight of the world. Glasgow is a, a city to, to come to. Um, Glasgow's known for its uh, great Hollywood movies now. You know, recently the Batman movie, uh, the Batgirl, I think it is, uh, that's been that was filmed in in Glasgow. So we've got great establishments within the uh, education sector, from Glasgow University, South Clyde. The investment that they're putting into Glasgow is bringing more international students coming into Glasgow and 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 enjoying this great city that we live in. This is something that most people will mention when you ask about growing industries within Glasgow. I wanted to speak to someone who could talk about what impact the film and television industry is having on Glasgow. So I went along the River Clyde to BBC Scotland, where I met Alison Gordon, who is the head of the National Film and Television School in Scotland. Could you just explain where we are? We're doing this interview from BBC Scotland, um, base at Pacific Quay, which is just on the south of the Clyde, opposite the Hydro and the Armadillo, as it's known, and the Scottish Exhibition Centre. Um, and it's right beside Govan. The Hydro is Glasgow's big arena venue that is used for the biggest shows that come to Glasgow. The Armadillo is right next to it and hosts theatre shows and talks. Next to us there's another uh, a place called The Hub, which has lots of creative companies in there as well. And there is Film City, which is in what was Govan Town Hall, which is full of, again, lots of different companies, production companies and um, uh, editing facilities and post-production houses. So tell me about the film and television industry in Scotland. Well, you asked me this question in the middle of the most kind of amazing production boom. It is so busy up here. They've been shooting Batgirl recently. Fast and Furious, for some reason that I don't really understand, has, has, Glasgow has become its place. 
So do you think it's possible to now stay in Scotland if you want to work in media? Absolutely. <laughs> there's there's so much work at the moment. We're keen to, to promote and support is growing Indigenous production. I wanted to know from Alison how she felt that the film and television industry can support local jobs. What role does film and television take in the regeneration of Glasgow? Wow. I think it, all sorts of elements to that, I think. It brings a lot of money into the city because also when productions come here, they use hotels, they use local facilities, they use you know lots of local companies, um, not to mention the fact that they all have to eat every night. And then there are locations that are getting rented out. And so I think there, there's that. And there's also just you know putting Glasgow on the map. You know, people come to see places um, because they've seen them on television so they come to look at them here and, and I think that that has really helped just kind of raise the profile of Glasgow. But not everyone views Glasgow's growing film sector positively. I don't think uh, kind of circuses rolling into town and rolling out of town much like we saw with COP26, much like you would see with like any Hollywood blockbuster. 1917 was filmed in the graving docks in Govan, it looked fantastic and sparkly. Uh, they re-roofed the pump house for the duration of the filming, and then they took it down. And the graving docks is in worse condition than it was before they started filming. The only benefit, really, I suppose, will be that the site owners got paid a rental fee. That doesn't benefit the people who live and work in Govan. This is David. He works for the Galgale Trust. They're a community organisation that teaches woodcraft to vulnerable people as a means of social healing. There's five of us and um, we work with about 40 volunteers and almost 100 uh, sort of participants come through our bench training uh, introduction to basic woodwork course every year. So the name means the stranger and the native kind of together. So Gal being the stranger, Gale being the heartland people. We tend to work with a real variety of folk. At the moment, the funding that we get um, is specifically for people with barriers to social inclusion. So that would be people who've got long-term health problems, struggling with mental health, addiction, uh, very often people uh, that are homeless or in uh, very uncertain housing uh, situations. Teaching vulnerable people to use their hands to create things has yielded some great results. I think there's also something about like working working with traditional tools by hand in a community context that does an incredible thing. I think we see sort of just big changes in the ways, in the way people regard themselves, in the way people think about themselves. I think what we do is we facilitate people generating a sense of purpose within their own life. As a result of his work, David knows a lot about the challenges facing this part of Glasgow. So where we are situated just now, the council ward is Ibrox and Cessnock East, um, and it ranks in the lowest fifth of pretty much everything on the Scottish Index of Multiple Deprivation. The only thing that it ranks reasonably highly in is proximity to the city centre, which is just a result of its uh, geography. So yeah, everything from like people being out of work, uh, people being in very uh, precarious work, 
health, long-term health problems, um, people dying young, addiction, um, and there's there's a huge sort of multiplicity of factors that make these things up, in, specifically in Glasgow, but also in, in sort of post-industrial cities, I suppose. David doesn't believe that the new money and industry flowing into Glasgow is going to be the fix-all that some people see it as. I think we are sort of in the southeast of Glasgow in Govan, not not quite so much yet in Ibrox, although it is it is happening. Starting to see the, the sort of slow creep of gentrification. I think that comes with all of its problems. There there, there are there are benefits. There are some jobs, and um, there are some new houses. But I think the questions are. Who are the jobs for and who are the houses for and what happens to the people that it displaces. As soon as the bridge goes over from Partick, which is happening this year, it's gonna have a massive impact on on like house prices, people start being pushed out, and then folks start to go, Oh, where are all the jobs we were promised? And like where's all the you know, com- where's all the lovely amenities and actually what you've got is houses you can't afford and coffee shops you can't afford to sit in either, you know. Javid from Sunny Govan also expressed his worries about the Govan to Partick Bridge. You know, they're talking about making links in with across the road here, well, across the water, you know, to the the, the museum. And the danger is, well, would that just be a, a, a transconduit to people coming by the underground then walking across the bridge over to, to, to the transport museum? This is the other worry that I've heard about the new bridge. People are worried that Govan might just become a through point for those looking to get across the bridge to the museum. I wanted to speak to someone involved in the construction of this new bridge. Good afternoon, I am Councillor Ricky Bell. I am a local ward councillor for the Govan ward. Richard Bell is also the deputy leader of the SNP on Glasgow City Council. We've been through some difficult times in in Govan over the years. You know, the levels of poverty are too high and that leads to drug use and it leads to crime and it leads to all these other antisocial issues that we don't want and don't need in Govan. It is really concerning. So we have to work together as a community to grow Govan and to make it a fantastic place to live. The Govan Partick Bridge project, it came from um, a consultation that the council had with the communities a number of years ago and it was identified that there is a, a huge connection between the two communities of, of Govan and Partick which are on the opposite sides of the Clyde but there isn't an easy way to get to those so one of the things that came from is that the consultation we had is called a charrette and one of the things that came out of the charrette was the need to have a bridge that linked us. I asked if he thought that people should be worried about the possible gentrification of Govan. I suppose my perspective in terms of people's concerns about gentrification of Govan is that Govan's got a really strong community and a really strong heritage and I don't think anything is going to assume that um, strong Govan identity. I think this bridge gives us fantastic opportunities for how we can improve Govan. It brings economic regeneration to Govan without necessarily bringing the, the total gentrification. We can't be too afraid of a wee bit of gentrification because we do need that sort of investment. So we are building a very nice um, waterfront development down at Water Row, which will be right on the edge where the bridge lands. And those will be social rented flats, but they will be 
mid-market rent so it attracts people with a wee bit more disposable income and again that's about investing in the um, local communities and the local businesses within Govan and the ground floor of those flats will all be commercial space. One of the things people always say to me is oh the concern is that the, the Govan Partick Bridge turns out to be the uh, makes Govan Underground Station the easiest access to get to the Riverside Museum because you just get on the underground, get off at Govan, walk across the bridge and you're at the Riverside Museum, walk back across the bridge, back onto the underground and go away and Govan gets no benefits. So one of the things I'd like us to do is have a bar, a restaurant, a cafe type thing and in that walk space, so when you walk from the underground to the Riverside Museum, you are able to stop off and, and get yourself some lunch or whatever it is within there. And also to look at the other commercial spaces and think what else would attract people when they come to Govan to spend some of that money. I wanted to speak to someone who has experience in watching an area go through a social change. One of the cities in the UK that has felt the effects of gentrification most acutely is Bristol. I'm George Ferguson. I'm an architect in real life, but I did become the independent mayor of Bristol. Hello, I'm Keith Cowling. I'm a former architect and regeneration consultant. Keith Cowling and George Ferguson have both played key roles in trying to prevent gentrification in Bristol. I asked Keith if he could explain how gentrification has affected the part of Bristol where he lives. What happened was the the arts-led regeneration cycle started, which I know you've also had in Glasgow, where artists suddenly realised there's a lot of very cheap space to be had. And so suddenly the area gets to have a bit of a cachet, you know. Murals start to appear on walls, music starts to come up out of basements, and suddenly gets to be reflected in the land prices, people want to move there, and then speculators get interested, and they want to buy, you know, buy a chunk of this. Suddenly becomes overtaken by external influences, uh, with deep pockets who would like to use it for other means, make substantial profits out of it and export those profits out of the neighbourhood. Bristol is a tale of two cities in many ways. That's George Ferguson, the ex-mayor. In that you've got some of the areas that have had intensive gentrification over the last 50 years and are totally excluded um, or a members of the community and then you've got some areas that I think have been enriched by um, an element of gentrification that has not tipped over and that are defended by having a large amount of social housing and hostels and uh, affordable facilities. Keith Killen thinks he may have found a solution for fighting gentrification whilst also maintaining the creative industries within. He's trying to get people from the community to club together and buy land. We can't buy huge chunks of land all at once because there's no source for finance to do it. But we're hoping to get our first building and on the back of that become credible landholders as a community land trust and then go on using more uh, community share issues to raise more capital to buy more valuable and significant and culturally valuable buildings that we don't want to get lost in development. Community land trusts are non-profit organisations that own and develop land for the benefit of the community. What you can do is sort of win-win where you achieve objectives on behalf of the wider community 
but you also provide reasonable returns, somewhere between 3 and 5% usually. For example, if the building that houses Sunny Govan Radio was in danger of being bought by developers, the community and Govan could use a community land trust to buy the land instead, helping to protect Govan's cultural identity. George has some solutions too. We need to build more social housing, not less. And we need to insist that developers, and that's not just housing developers, which I always think is extraordinary, it's just housing developers, that any development contributes towards social and affordable housing. I think the radical thing we need to do is look at rent control, but all politicians seem to find that really difficult. And of whatever persuasion, any really successful rent control seems to evade us. I asked Richard Bell, the councillor for Govan, if he felt that lessons could be learned from cities who had already experienced the problems that Glasgow might start facing soon. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely get the fears of, and, and we in Glasgow are, are in contact with, with mayors and, and with city leaders across the UK to look at what they've done. And uh, during COP26, I had some very interesting conversations with um, the mayor and his colleagues from, from Bristol and, and some of the stuff they're doing. And I think there are things that we can learn from them, some of them about how maybe not to do it so much, but there are loads of things from other cities that I think Glasgow can learn. You know, there's no point in us trying to reinvent the wheel if someone's doing some else really well and successful but I think lots of people are looking to Glasgow for some of the innovative stuff that we are doing as well so I think there's real opportunities there for us, us to work together. Govan has a strong identity and brilliant community but I know that that hasn't always been enough to protect other areas. What does give me hope is that other towns and cities across the UK have been through these challenges and might possess a roadmap to help us navigate these next years. Ultimately, if young people like me are going to work in the film industry and not leave Glasgow, the area does need to go through some changes. It's just a case of making those changes without ripping the heart out of the area. Thank you for listening to Heartlands. This documentary was presented by me, Charlie McCabe, and produced by Hunter Charlton and Ben Tullow. With help from Arlie Adlington, Anna Budd and Guy Gardner. Heartlands is a Times Radio series brought to you by the Audio Content Fund.